You're listening to the Redemption Church Podcast with Pastor Daniel Williams as we go through a series called God Redeems, a study through the book of Exodus. Um, man, I, I, I'm going to tell you, actually, uh, I'm pretty nervous. Um, the purpose of the law. And so when Pastor Daniel asked me several weeks ago, he said, hey, I'm going to be out of town February the 12th. I think he actually, uh, this guy plans uh, better than anybody I've ever met in my life. I think he told me in November, I'm going to be out of town February the 12th. It's my wife's birthday and I'm doing something big. Um, I'm going to be out of town the majority of that week. I'll be back on that Sunday, but I want you to teach that Sunday. And he said, we should be around this area. And then as we got a little bit closer, he's like, I want you to do the purpose of the law uh, before we jump into the law. And I'm like, the purpose of the law, perfect. Okay. Uh, I've been studying the book of Hebrews, and there's tons in the book of Hebrews about the purpose of the law. And so I dug in deep to the book of Hebrews, and I don't think I have a single verse in here from the book of Hebrews. Uh, and, and so that's just the reality, because then I was led to the book of Galatians, and then I was led to the book of Romans, and then I was led to... And, it, and it's literally, when you're talking about the law and the purpose of the law in the New Testament, y'all just need to read the whole thing. That's pretty much how it goes. So tonight we're just going to do an overview of the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation. So buckle in, folks. Uh, you might make it to the halftime show, but probably not. Uh, I'm kidding. But um, there's so much here. There's so much for us to dig into um, that it's, it's difficult. And uh, so I'm going to give you the best overview that I believe that I can give you with the realization that there is so much more. It is such a great study for you to do yourself, understanding some of these places that we go. I'm going to share with you four or five verses from Galatians and four or five verses from Romans, but literally the whole book deals with the issue. The whole chapter out of the four or five verses that I'm going to share with you deals with the concept. Uh, so it's such a big thing. I was telling Pastor Daniel before service, I could literally easily teach three to four messages on this, this alone, the purpose of the law. Um, <clears throat> but I do believe that, that there is a way, I believe that God's given me a way to kind of sum this up. And I hope that... Uh, you can walk away with a better understanding, uh, if nothing else, of um, why the law, okay? Uh, so uh, we've been studying through the book of Exodus, and we're about to move into the Ten Commandments. And uh, what a beautiful passage of Scripture, right? Uh, before God gives Moses the Ten Commandments, he takes him up on the mountain and uh, this mountain where he had told him previously, this is fulfillment of prophecy, God said, I will meet you here on this mountain again, okay? And so God takes him up on that mountain, and then, then Scripture says that he, he covered that mountain with his presence, and we talked about that a little bit last week, and, and so you have this mountain, and, and he said, if animals come near that, they'll just die, right? So it's the all-consuming holiness of God, okay? And he said, if, if any man besides Moses walks into that cloud that covers that mountain without my permission, he will die instantly, right? 
So, so we've got to understand that as God is, is giving this law to Moses, there's this holiness that comes over everything. Because the law of God is holy. And it's complete. And, and it represents His holiness and His completeness. And I think that's so important for us to understand. And so many times we look at the Bible and we, we begin to go through the New Testament. And man, don't we love to study the New Testament because it's just so full of, of hope and joy. And, and, we, and we get in our minds, guys, that the Old Testament God is an angry God. He's a vengeful God. He's a, but, but Scripture says that He's the same God all the way through from the beginning to the end. He hasn't changed a bit. So if you're looking at the difference of God in the Old Testament and the difference of God in the New Testament, if you're reading the two of those and you don't see grace and mercy, you miss something. Because God's grace is from the beginning. Okay? And we'll even talk about that tonight. The law is even part of God's grace and mercy upon mankind. And so let's pray and uh, let's dig in. Um, so Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We know, God, you are so good and you are so holy, Lord. And even as we approach this topic, Lord, we just want to do this in a way that brings honor and glory to you, Lord. So we just ask, Lord, that your spirit, Lord, we know it's already gone before us, Lord. It's prepared our hearts Lord, it's prepared even the words that you've given to me to share. But Lord, we ask, Lord, that you would teach us, that you would guide us. And Lord, not my words, but yours would penetrate the hearts of your people, Lord. So we thank you, Jesus. We love you and we praise you. And we just give you all glory and honor in your name. Amen. Amen. So when we think about the law, uh, the law that they're about to get right now, many of you will Think about the Ten Commandments, right? And we like the Ten Commandments. I wonder if you guys could recite all of them right now. Get out your pen and paper. Okay, I tell you, I'm a school teacher. This is what I make my students do. Pop quiz, guys, pop quiz, right? The interesting thing about the Ten Commandments is most people, when we ask them to recite the Ten Commandments, for whatever reason, you just forget one every time, don't you? It's like, okay, there's this one, this one, this one, that one, that one, and then I'm missing one, and I don't know what it is, right? And it's not the same one every time. Have you noticed that about yourself? Do you ever think about the Ten Commandments or try to come up with them on the spot? You'll almost inevitably miss one, and it'll be different each time that you try to remember them, right? Because you'll be like, I'm not going to miss that one next time, right? So, uh so when we think about the law, a lot of times our, our minds go directly to the Ten Commandments, and that really is the beginning of the law. But, and we see that before this point, okay, we know that God has already given Abraham the promise and created the covenant with Abraham. Okay, so we know that that has already happened, and God has already established a covenant long before the law came right? So that's important for us to remember, okay? And so uh, it's important that we realize, okay, that this law is being given to them after a period of rebellion, 
right? So the promise, the covenant that God made with Abraham about this people that now has become a population, now they are in the millions as Moses is leading them out, okay? The covenant stands. The covenant has not changed. Okay? Now, there's been a great rebellion amongst the people is one of the reasons that you guys know. You know as we've walked through the books of Exodus, right? Why didn't you leave us in Exodus, God? Were there not graves good enough for us? Because we're going to die anyway, right? There was better food in, I mean, in Egypt. I said Exodus. There's better food in, in Egypt than what we're eating now. Right? And they complained and they complained and they complained. And uh, so God's going to give them this law. And so uh, we come to this place today, uh, just so you understand the law, uh, there's 613 Levitical laws. And those will start as we get into these further chapters. So we start with the Ten Commandments, and then we're going to move into additional laws that Moses will begin to give the people here, starting in Exodus chapter 23. We'll start talking about some of those tonight. But, but here's probably what most people don't realize. 613 laws. That wasn't enough, right? So the rabbis created over 900 additional laws. Okay? 900 additional laws. So you're talking about the average Jewish person is looking at 1,500 plus laws that they need to uphold to be a righteous Jewish man or woman. Over 1,500 according to the rabbis. Now, you and I, as followers of Jesus, well, we don't have to follow these laws, right? These 613 laws, they, they don't apply to us, correct? Well, yeah, no. They, they don't apply to us, not, definitely not in the way that they're applying in this particular uh, part where God is giving them this law. And so uh, we don't follow this law anymore. Uh, so some people would say, then, then why do Christians pick and choose laws that they want to follow, right? So why do you eat shellfish, okay? And why do you eat pork? But then you say homosexuality is wrong because when I read the book of Leviticus, those two laws are very close together. Within the same chapter, the Bible is talking about those two things. You say this is okay, but you've chosen that one to say, no, 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 that's bad. Why do you do that? Why do Christians do that? Why do we pick and choose the law as what we want to stand for and what we don't? It's either all of the law or none of the law, right? right? And that's where people get confused. And that's why this is such a complicated thing. For example, okay, I went to a Cuban restaurant yesterday, and I enjoyed some delicious fried pork. Mm, so good, right? Some delicious fried pork. Well, the Levitical law says that you can't eat pork. It's unclean animal, right? Now, not a single person in this room would say, well, pastor, you need to repent. You had pork yesterday, right? But if I lied to you, 
Or if I committed adultery, you'd say I needed to repent, wouldn't you? Do you see why that's so confusing for people of the world? Do you see why the Bible in the 613 Levitical laws says that I shouldn't eat shellfish and I shouldn't eat pork and I shouldn't eat these things, but I don't need to repent if I do those things. But it also says I shouldn't lie and I shouldn't commit adultery and I shouldn't do these things, but I do need to repent if I do those things. And so we get this conundrum, we get this confusion okay, amongst the people, and, and I see why. Because this is a very difficult and confusing thing for people to understand. Now, like I told you, if you want to know the answer, read the entire New Testament. Because literally, in the book of Matthew, Jesus speaks about it directly, okay? All throughout the Gospels, in Jesus' own words, okay, the law is dealt with, okay? And then you go into the Apostle Paul who wrote 13 books of the New Testament and the law is dealt with over and over and over and over again. Why? Because he knew exactly what I just said. This is confusing. This is difficult for people to understand. Okay? So, there is an answer, right? Okay, so we're going to talk about, so 613 laws, right? 900 laws. Let's talk for just one second about what those 900 laws are, okay? Man, it's difficult to be Jewish, isn't it? Right? So they're called fence laws, right? That's a, a common name for these 900 laws, which means that they're not original Jewish laws given in Scripture, but they were laws create, created by rabbis throughout history to help you follow the original 613 laws, right? Now, most of you guys know, maybe you have good Jewish friends uh, and, and you've uh, been to their house or whatever, and they would not give you uh, a, a very faithful, religious Jewish man or woman will not serve you a hamburger with cheese on it, right? Yeah. And that comes actually from a Levitical law is the reason that they do that. But the hamburger and cheese is not mentioned in Scripture, okay? It's a fence law that helps them to make sure that by accident they don't break this law that we see in Exodus chapter 23, verse 19, which says, okay, that, it, that the Hebrew man or woman is not to eat a goat, okay, a baby goat, boiled in its mother's milk, right? So you don't want to eat the flesh of this goat if it's been boiled in its mother's milk. You can find that also in Deuteronomy 14.21. So this fence law is going to make sure that you don't even accidentally do that by keeping all dairy away from meat on the same plate. So you're not going to have a cheeseburger, Right? Because we want to make sure that that cheese couldn't possibly have come from the mother of that cow that was ground up to make your hamburger. And so that's what they call fence laws. These are laws that come alongside to help people be able to follow the law. So, we've got to understand the law. Let me give you a breakdown of what the law looks like. I'm so not used to this. Yeah. Okay, didn't he make nice slides? Yeah, I want a touchscreen TV. 
I visited a church one time and the pastor kept doing that. Now, it failed about every third time he touched it, so I don't really want one. But, but anyway, there are three types of laws in the Scripture out of these 613 laws, and we see them here. Okay? We have ceremonial law, we have civil law, and we have moral law. Ceremonial law, civil law, and moral law. So there are three types of law. Now, when I talk to you about the law of the goat in its milk... Okay, the laws of pork and these things, these are ceremonial laws. And these laws were created to keep us clean. Okay? They were created so that man would be clean, so that we would not defile ourselves or the temple. Ceremonial law translates to everything that happens inside of the temple as well. So you read through the book of Leviticus. That's a fun read, you guys. I'm just saying. If you've never read the book of Leviticus, goodness gracious, put on your boots and get in there because that's a good one, right? You got to dig. You got, I mean, it's exciting. There's so much fun stuff. Now, you'll read the book of Leviticus and you'll be like, really? That stuff's, woof. The Bible's got some weird stuff in it. Okay, there's some weird things in the book of Leviticus. There really are, right? I thought it was just a book of boring laws the first time I heard about Leviticus, but there's some really interesting stories in there if you've actually ever read it. Most people bypass it because they're like, it's all just Levitical law, and it's as dry as dry. It's like chewing on a piece of leather. It's awful. And if the law doesn't apply to me anymore, why in the world would I want to read that, right? It's good, actually. It's fascinating. It's not nearly as dry as you would think it would be. Okay? There are other books that do get a little difficult, right? So, but some ceremonial laws, for example, priestly dress, the sacrificial system, all of these types of things are intended to purify, to cleanse, and to make man righteous. Okay? Or at least, that's what it looks like. They're to clean man. But they're not able to clean man. It's not possible. Now, civil law, civil law, that's laws that govern Israel. Let me give you an example of civil law. Okay? Civil law in the Bible, you're going through the Levitical laws and you'll see a law that looks something like this, right? My fence fell down, okay? This is real stuff. This stuff's in there, okay? If your neighbor's, if your fence falls down and your neighbor's ox wanders into your yard, okay, onto your property, and you have a hole dug on your property, but your fence is down, and that's your fault, and that ox falls in that hole and breaks his leg, that animal must be killed and you owe your neighbor 30 pieces of silver. Because your irresponsibility has now cost your neighbor an ox that should have never been able to get out of his yard because your fence should have been up. Okay? All right? So that's civil law. Now, here's the interesting thing. These laws, they were meant to govern Israel. They're not meant to govern you. Right? How many of you guys have an ox in your yard? I raise my hand because like Pastor Daniel did. I do. I'm kidding. 
I don't, right? So the, the reality is, is these laws don't really apply to you right now, but we do have civil law today, don't we? And Paul makes it very clear that we need to follow those civil laws as they are given to it, as Scripture says that we need to respect the authority that has been placed over us. Those that make those laws, we need to respect them. We need to go through, okay, authorities that have been placed over us. Police officers, there's a law book. If the police officer pulls you over and says you were going 70 miles an hour in a 35-mile-an-hour zone, you don't argue. Well, you're probably going to jail if you were doing that, actually. That's a little excessive. You guys need to slow down, right? 70 and a 35, right? But, and, and well, I guess it is Florida, and I see that on a regular basis. So, um, so the, this civil law, okay, there's a good portion of that that is still applicable to us today, only it's not the same civil law that the Jewish people had, because those laws don't specifically apply to us anymore, and God doesn't expect us to follow those. And so moral law, now moral laws are laws for all of mankind. They're laws for all of mankind, okay? And they have a lot to do, okay, with how we treat other people and how we worship, okay? So those become very, very important in our daily walk with the Lord. And so we're going to see that. Uh, so uh, I'm going to take you here to Galatians chapter 3, verses 10 through 14. And I told you, there's a lot of verses here, and you should read this whole chapter because it talks all about it. And so uh, verse 10 says, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. 613 Levitical laws. Cursed is the one who does not do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, Paul says, no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says the person who does these things will live by them, the law. Christ redeemed us from this curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole or a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Now look at that. Look what Paul just said in Galatians chapter 3, verse 14. You're cursed if you follow the law. Okay? Because the law cannot justify you. There's no way. But it is Christ redeemed that has justified you so that you may receive the blessing from the promise of Abraham. Remember, the promise of Abraham came before the law. So that promise still stands because all of his promises are yes and amen. We just sang it, right? All his promises are yes and amen. 
Okay, And that comes directly from Deuteronomy, and then Paul's quoting Deuteronomy here, 27, 26. He says, cursed is anyone who does not uphold the words of this law by carrying them out. He says, you're cursed if you don't uphold the words of the law. You're cursed if you don't uphold the words of the law. Okay, so you're cursed. This is fun, right? We're just getting started because y'all are cursed now. You're completely cursed. I don't think you guys are upholding the words of the law. Or at least I'm guessing you're not. Right? And so the reality is, is Scripture in Romans would go on to say that all of us are cursed because no one can uphold the words of the law. Not a single person. Because no one is righteous, no, not one. Romans chapter 3, verse 10. No one is righteous, no, not one. So why law? Why did God give us law if he knew that we were cursed if we tried to uphold the law? Why did he do it? So here you have an entire group of people that are trying to live up to 613 laws that they might find their way into heaven and God says, hey, that's impossible. You're going to try to follow that law, you'll be cursed. You're cursed. If you can't live up to every part of the law, you're cursed. You're damned. Okay? You're going to receive the wrath of God. The curse of sin will fall upon you. If you can't follow every single law as it's written. And then he says, it's impossible to follow every law as it is written. So why did he give them law? What's the purpose? Let's talk about it. Romans chapter 3, verse 19 through 20 says, Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin of our sin, right? So comes the knowledge of our sin, right? So Scripture tells us that the knowledge of our sin comes through the law. So the purpose of the law is to say, hey, you're a sinner. Hey, you're a sinner too. And you're a sinner, and you're a sinner, and you're a sinner, and you're a sinner. And if you go on and read through the rest of this chapter, in, in, in most of you guys will, will have this memorized. If you've been walking with the Lord for a little while, uh, if you go three verses down, does anybody know what Romans 3.23 says? Right? It says, for the wages of sin is death. No, sorry, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Then we go a couple of chapters later in Romans chapter 6, and it says that, that those wages of sin, we're all sinners because we've all fallen short of, of perfection, the law. And he says the wages of that is death, but that's one of the most beautiful words you can find in the Bible. It says, this is bad. This is real bad, and it's worse than bad. 
And you see it all over the place in Scripture. Hey, it's impossible. Don't even try it. But God. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I, I found this quote as I was studying, and I, and I liked it. Um, you'll be proud of me. I'm using quotes, okay? Uh, he, he sent me this slide that said, quote slide, and I was like, what do I need that for? I don't use quotes very often, right? Uh, so, but anyway, I found this quote, and it's, it's pretty long, so uh, they'll, he'll upload these slides if you're a writer. Uh, you may not be able to get all of this in the amount of time that we have. And it says, uh, this is by uh, Dr. Eddie Bahaiwani. I don't know. Um, but finally, because man does not keep the law, does not mean that the law fails. No, the law accomplishes its exact purpose, because through the law, the knowledge of sin is revealed. We just read that, okay? The law works wrath, okay? The law, it shows us the sinfulness of man. It was added because of transgression. We talked about that already, okay? It was given that the sin offense of man against God might abound, says Romans 5.20. It's going to show you that you are a sinner, and it's just getting worse by the minute. It's just getting worse by the minute. If you don't believe that, folks, look around the world. You are a sinner, and it's just getting worse by the minute. And there's only one hope. That's the only thing that can change the course of your life. There's one hope, okay? And it says here, the law is a tutor to bring us to Christ. The one thing that can change that, okay? You're on a path to destruction. The law shows you, hey, you realize that if you're trying to justify yourself this way, nope, 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 you missed it. You missed it. Because even if you break one of these little laws, Scripture says, you're guilty of all of them. Because the law is a whole. The law is complete. The law is holy, as we talked about, all right? Because it is God's law. It's holy right? And it says, the law is good, holy, and righteous. God's law is holy, right? I hear so many people say, like, I don't, I don't want to follow God because he just gives you a big list of things that you have to follow. Yeah, he does. So why does he give me that big list of things that I have to follow? To show you that you're not capable of following him and you need him. That's why he gave them to you. Because, yeah, you can't. You're not going to. You're not going to be able to follow them. There's not a single person in this room sitting here that hasn't bore a false witness before. That hasn't lied at some point or another to save themselves or because... They just didn't want to talk to AT&T or about the car repair or the fact that their insurance is about or their uh, whatever that is, the, uh, your warranty is about to expire, right? And when there were old-fashioned telephones, mom used to tell the kids, tell them I'm in the shower, right? And the guy on the other line was, tell your mom I heard her. I mean, you know, 
So I love this because it shows us this progression, okay, of these purposes of the law. Now, here's reality, okay? We all know this. We've all heard this before. You guys knew the answer of how we overcome this before we ever got here. And it's this, right? Jesus. Jesus. Jesus fulfills the law. He fulfills the law. So Jesus, in Matthew chapter 5, okay, tells us that he didn't abolish the law. He didn't come to erase the law to make man righteous, but rather he came to fulfill the law. So he did away with the curse of the law for those that believe in him, but he did not do away with the law altogether. No single part of the law can justify you. Not a single part. So, going back to what I said in the beginning, why do we attempt to follow what we would call moral law if no part of the law can justify us? Why do we attempt to walk through these things like, like I said, lying, right? That's part of the Ten Commandments. Lying, coveting, right? Adultery, murder, other gods. We don't have statues today, but we certainly have other gods, okay? I mean, some people still have statues. Don't get me wrong. There's lots of statues out there, right? So let's talk about and break down what Jesus said here. Matthew chapter 5, 17 through 20. He said, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth passes away, not an iota, not a dot will pass away from the law until it is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus states that he came to fulfill the law. What part of the law did Jesus come to fulfill? Well, guys, we know he fulfilled the ceremonial law, right? The ceremonial law, which was the priestly dress, well, the book of Hebrews tells us that he's our high priest, so we don't have to worry about how our priests dress, right? That's not important. Because Jesus is our high priest. He's our intercessor. He's our mediator. He's the one that we can go to to be able to have fellowship and connection with God. We no longer need a, a high priest. We no longer need an inner sanctuary in the temple. We no longer need a temple because we no longer need blood sacrifice for the forgiveness of sin. Because the law said there is no pardon of sin without the shedding of blood. But the law also said the blood of these innocent animals does not pardon sin completely. It doesn't. There was no sacrifice good enough until Jesus came. Until Jesus came. Right? 
Now, we know that he fulfills the ceremonial. We know that civic exists in a different way. And we know that moral law is something that we all still try to abide by in some way because a ton of moral law deals with sexual immorality. And it's very important for us to abide by that moral law. But here's the reality, church. We don't abide by the moral law for justification. Because Christ, when He came to fulfill the law, He came to fulfill it all. He fulfilled every part of it. When Scripture says that He went to the cross for your sins and for my sins, He did it for all of your sins. He did it for the sins that we had yet committed. He took those on the cross. And yes, we don't like it. But He did it for the murderer. And he did it for the adulterer. And he did it for every sin ever committed. When Jesus went to the cross in the garden, when they were arresting him, he sweat great drops of blood. Not because he was scared of a cross. We've talked about this. His, his that stress, that anxiety of facing the wrath of God and having the, all of the sins of the world go into Him that He may die for them is why Jesus sweat great drops of blood. Because He knew that as He was paying the price for breaking every law, He didn't break. You broke it. And you broke it. And you broke it. And I broke it. And Jesus paid the price. He fulfilled them all, church. It's easy for us to go through Scripture and say, here's where he fulfilled the ceremonial law. Here's where he fulfilled the sacrificial system. Here's where he fulfilled the priestly order. Here's where he fulfilled all of these things. But he didn't just fulfill ceremonial law because then you would still be guilty of breaking all of the rest of the laws. He fulfilled all of them that his sacrifice would be sufficient for you and I because we're still breaking laws, folks. And no matter what you do, no matter what you've done, He'll forgive you. He will forgive you because He's already paid the price. So that's how Jesus fulfills the law. So there's one thing left to deal with here. How did I get way back here? Did I just push a lot of buttons? I, I think I have another slide or two. Oh. Oh, we're missing one. Okay, no worries. That's my fault. Okay? So, John chapter 14, verse 15. Okay? John chapter 14, verse 15 says this. Okay? We know Jesus fulfills the law, right? We've seen that. It says this. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. It just said Jesus fulfills the law. Why do I need to keep His commandments? How is that how I show Him that I love Him is to live according to His commandments and obey His commandments? What? Y'all, I'm confused. Do I follow the law? Do I not follow the law? Didn't He fulfill it so that I don't have to? Can't I just live like I want? 
and still worship Jesus? Let's talk about what that means. I got to be quick because the game's about to start. We see that all of Scripture says there's no justification in the law. I've shown you time and time again through various scriptures that the law cannot justify us. It will not justify us. You're not getting to heaven no matter how good you think you are. No matter, and that's what Jesus told the Pharisees. He said, you're whitewashed tombs. You're pretty on the, in, on the outside, but you are dead as doornails on the inside. Whitewashed tombs. You can put all the marble on the outside of a tomb you want to, but it still houses dead people. Whitewashed tombs, he said. The law does not justify us. So why must we keep... Oh, I'm sorry. So why must we obey his commands? We've got to keep Scripture in context when we see things like this. Okay, we've got to keep, blah, 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 keep Scripture in context. All of Scripture says that there's no justification in the law. Even the Old Testament saints, as you read through Hebrews chapter 11, I said there were no Hebrew quotes here, and there are not, but I make a lot of reference to it. You can tell that's what I've been studying, right? So Hebrews chapter 11, they're all said to be justified by their faith, not by the law. And this was before the sacrifice of Jesus. These guys were justified not because they were righteous by the standards of the law, but they were righteous because they obeyed the holy God who said, Abraham, pick up your stuff and go. Noah, build an ark. Okay? David, lead my people. Go into battle. Okay? Do this. Do that. Every single thing, these guys said, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. They obeyed him. They obeyed him, right? So there's no justification, but these guys were not justified by the law. Okay, The law brings condemnation. It reveals sin. So if we look at the book of John, we look at Matthew chapter 22, we look at Matthew chapter 5, both places where Jesus is speaking about the law, we can see what Jesus is talking about in John 14 when he says, obey my commands. In Matthew chapter 5, he says, I've come to abolish the law, right? Not to abolish the law, to fulfill the law. My bad. Sorry. So sorry. Don't mean to bring confusion there, right? In Matthew chapter 22, when he's asked, he says, teacher, they say, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to you, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest in the first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all of the law and the prophets. Everything I've given you is summed up right here. You want to understand the heart of the law? Jesus goes from Matthew chapter 5 after he says, I'm not going to abolish the law, I'm going to fulfill it. And he breaks it down and he says, let me, let me teach you what the law means. You say that you've never killed a man. I'm going to tell you right now, if you've ever hated someone, you're guilty of murder. You say you've never committed adultery because you haven't been fooling around with another woman while you're married. I'm telling you, if you've looked at somebody and you've had those thoughts in your mind, you're guilty of that. He says, you got to understand the heart of the law. The heart of the law is about loving other people. The whole heart of the law. It's about loving God with every part of your being and loving your fellow man even 
when they're unlovable, y'all. Even when they're unlovable. Jesus, we're going to take communion in a few minutes. And Jesus, when he was sitting with his disciples, he says, this is my blood. And in this blood is the new covenant. This new covenant is not based on law. It fulfills law. It fulfills it. It's based on the redemptive blood of Jesus Christ. We don't want to miss the point when we study law. We're going to look at these laws. We're going to break them down. But we got to understand the heart of God has not changed. The heart of God in Exodus chapter 19 is no different than the heart of God in Matthew chapter 5 when he's standing next to his disciples. The heart of God is grace and mercy and redemption that comes to all of mankind. That's the heart of God, people. And the reason he gave them the law is because they were walking around prideful saying, hey, we're chosen people. And no one is like us. And he says, hey, just want to remind you, you're broken people, and everyone is like you. Broken, unrighteous, unholy people that need a holy God to step in on their behalf. And Paul will go on to say it. He says, it doesn't matter if you're Jew. It doesn't matter if you're Gentile. It doesn't matter who you are. You need Jesus. He doesn't look at you and say, hey, you're Jewish. We're good. You don't need Jesus. You just got to fulfill the law. I, I once read a thing, a famous theologian, he was asked by someone, he said, you've been studying the Bible for 30 years. He said, what's the most profound truth you've ever found in Scripture? And he said, the most profound truth I've ever read in Scripture or ever discovered in Scripture, I actually learned in Sunday school. And he said, we even sing it in a children's song. It goes like this. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Right? That's the most profound truth after 30 years of studying Scripture that this man said he had ever discovered. Why? Because we're unlovable. In the eyes of a holy God, we're unlovable. But oh, he loves you. Oh, how he loves you. I'm a sinner and there's no righteousness in me, but he still loves me. And because of the redemptive work of Jesus, which we're about to celebrate, he sees me as righteous and holy in spite of the fact that I break the law all the time. Not on purpose but just because I'm a fallen human, I'm a sinner. So as the worship team comes, I'm going to move the elements to the back of the room. As we prepare our hearts, we just want to take that time to remember the work that he did for us. Because guys, based on what we're looking at here, based on the standard, there is no way. Without Jesus hanging on that cross, his blood shed for you, and three days later resurrected, you and I are doomed. But we're not. 
and that's exciting. Amen? Amen. This is Pastor Daniel Williams at Redemption Church in Delray Beach. Thank you so much for listening to that message. We pray it was an encouragement. It was a blessing to you as we love to pursue and to proclaim Jesus together. And so no matter where you're listening, whether it be YouTube or our podcast, you can go to more resources at redemptiondb.com and even partner with us in ministry to pursue and to proclaim Jesus. God bless you. And thank you so much for listening.